Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey, and welcome back to the Whole Heart Eating Podcast. This is Christina, and this week I am talking with Dr. Colleen Reichman, and we are diving into all things motherhood. We're talking about how it's such a humbling experience, how it can be super overwhelming, and how not to get too bogged down in the mess of it or trying to quote unquote heal yourself before giving yourself permission to parent around really challenging and complex topics with your kids. You know, things like your own eating disorder, body image, or even just getting comfortable saying certain body parts about yourself or about your children. So let's dive right in. So it is so good to see you. And even though it's not in person, but we're going to plan that separate, <laughs> separately. Yes, um, please. <laughs> I think like when I reached out to you to talk, I just, I feel like I've been seeing you share more honestly, not that you've never, you've always shared really honestly on your Instagram and, and your social media outlets, but I feel like I've been seeing, I think maybe because maybe we're both going through the same kind of journey of parenthood. Mm -hmm. It's been really nice. And I'm never on social media. I'm terrible, (laughs) terrible (laughs) about doing it. Um, But I see you posting so much about parenthood, motherhood, and that kind of so much about being in it with, with children. And also at the same time, marrying that between body image and what people are feeling and the relationship with food. And I just want to say, I really appreciate that you're doing it because I think it needs to be talked about so much more. And I love that you're sharing it and you do it in a funny, light way, but serious sometimes too, which is fun. So it's appreciated. Yeah, I know. It's definitely been like a shift in content over time. And I don't, I know, of course, like not everyone can relate. So I've gotten messages saying like too much motherhood and, but I just feel like I cannot do social media at this point, unless I'm doing it in a way that it like is fun and I feel passionate about. And that's not what makes the algorithm, like, that's not what makes, makes me like grow at this point. And I've made peace with that. And I'm like the people who don't, I have to be authentic or else it's like soul sucking to do social media if you're just posting for the algorithm so oh my god and also you can't keep up with it because it's constantly changing anyway so you might as well be you I've started to have this this thought about social media that it's really just like your business card you know Mm -hmm. it's like a living business card for people to get to know who you are and kind of what you believe in and I I think you do that really well when you go to your page like you're a person who's evolving and changing too. And so when it naturally what you're posting about and what you're sharing going to be, and if someone says too much motherhood, it's like, well, maybe we've changed. Maybe I'm not the right 
person for you yeah. at this juncture of your life. And that's okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, like, that's it's like okay. allowed. But if I don't, mm-hmm. it's so, I'm so like in it right now with these small humans that if I don't, and I also just think it's not talked about enough, like, especially motherhood, but also like the whole journey of like infertility, miscarriage and loss, motherhood, early motherhood, and like how we go through it all in our bodies and how just like, I'm like, man, this is not talked about enough. And it's a big, it's like, I feel like a lot of people are experiencing things that we're not really talking about or hearing about. So I got to, I got to post about it. It's here to stay. No, I love that. And I was, I, I feel like there's, there's like this, so much of it is such a body experience, right? And for our whole lives kind of throughout from childhood all the way on, we're kind of told to be separate from our bodies and to constantly be changing it. And I think parenthood, I motherhood, pregnancy, everything has, I, I have always felt has been such a humbling and kind of shadow, (laughs) shadow work kind Mm -hmm. of experience in a lot of ways. Like it points out, like I've, I said to Um, a friend of mine the other day that I felt like, um, that like part of me felt like the things that I'll say, like, Oh, I really don't want that to happen. (laughs) will end up happening. And then I'm like, Oh no, here's the next layer of my body image work that I have to do. Like I didn't want to go through this and now it's like, okay, here it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like each time. And it's always through the lens of growing our family and changing and, um, parenthood in general has always kind of felt like, oh, it's showing me everything. And then that can be really hard. And then you're, you think that, and this is like, I just want people listening. This is professionals talking about this, who work in this industry. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it still is super triggering. And I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit about that for yourself and how you balance that with the, the, the thought process around, okay, I still am noticing things for myself that are coming up. And then also at the same time, I know I don't want to put that on my kids either. So how do I work through that? How do I, you know, and I know you've talked about that before, kind of that when you struggle with some of your own stuff that's coming up and that this period of time, what you're talking about pregnancy, infertility, infertility, pregnancy, you know, loss and everything all the way through is all in your body. Mm-hmm. So I'd love yeah. for you to share if you're open to sharing somehow, like some of the things that you've been feeling or you've noticed and how you work through that and how you encourage your clients to work through that. Yeah. Even like when you said the different, it like each next stage is more layers to see like, oh, that part of my, or this part of like the body journey, I still have work to do. I immediately thought of an experience like last week with my daughter. I don't know why it just dawned on me, but um, she was, this is like going to sound like it's not super connected, but it really is. Like she was, I was like helping her label her body parts. Like she was pointing to different things and she pointed to her vagina and I was like that's and then I realized like oh my gosh I like I'm not like super comfortable saying that word to her 
Like I didn't think that I had any problems saying the word vagina. And then I was like, if I, I noticed that in myself and I was thinking like, if I don't get comfortable and work on that, like get super comfortable. Cause I think I'm like pretty far on the comfort spectrum, but not like, I don't know. Like there was still, I felt like a little twinge of something. And I was like, if I don't move past that and like the patriarchy and this whole system that's in place to be like, female bodies are dirty. And like, this Mm -hmm. is, you know, from birth, like, I feel like I experienced that. So it's still like a little bit with me or something. And I was like, it's on me to heal that completely and show her like the word vagina is just like any other word. And that's your body part. We don't have to call it a nickname. Like this is, and you know, it's just like such an a humbling experience and also like awe-inducing to be like, that's really on me. I didn't realize there was like this little bit of work left to do. And now I'm going to do it. Um, yeah. But that's like something you would never, I don't know. Did you like, I would have never thought of like that part of like, oh, my body, like female and like our body parts and how society has treated us and told us we're like dirty and. Um, 100%. And I think I got it like, I saw I have two daughters mm-hmm. and I feel like um, my oldest is very curious and I was like very much in like, well, I really want to be a sex positive home and I don't want to be shaming or anything like that because um, I don't feel like that was really talked about with me a lot as a child or like understanding. And I, yeah, anyways, but there, yes, yes. It was something that came up for me and I felt like, to be honest, I even said, um, to Casey about it, that I felt like, do I even know how to label all of the anatomical parts of my body? Like, 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 and I'm like, and I work in like the health field, like, how do I not know that? And I was, and I was thinking like, do you know, like, does he know how to label that stuff for her? And how do I then have that kind of conversation or even still, like as they explore their body and they ask questions about it, how do I not make that shaming? How do I not make it like, oh, we don't talk about that part or, you know, but also at the same time, you want to protect them, you know, like from give them the proper language to be able to say like, well, you know, this is how this works or things like that of that nature. This is, this is, this will be funny. So my daughter is four. And as I've said, and um, so I obviously I menstruate, you know, and so um, she'll see me like changing my pads. And like one day she turned to me and she goes, mommy, you're not bleeding from your vagina anymore. (laughs) And at first I was like, Oh, a little cringy. Like, don't say that at school, you know, (laughs) like, don't go to preschool and tell everyone my mom's not bleeding from her vagina anymore. And, um, and like what that would look like, but then I'm also kind of like, well, how awesome is it that she feels so comfortable being able to say that? And I can turn to her and be able to say, yeah, this will, you know, eventually this might happen for you too. And we'll talk about it together, you know, as that happens. And she's like, oh, okay. And like, you know, the reason why mommy does this is because, because I have a uterus and I have a vulva and I can, 
my body is designed to is is able to make babies or that's how it's designed and that's part of that you know Mm -hmm. that's how you know and it's kind of interesting but it is super humbling because sometimes you're you know at first you're like ooh, like that's jarring (laughs) yeah yeah and And I think also yeah go ahead oh I was just thinking like it would it's really cool to think about like not like us not having to because a lot of times I'm like I don't want to make jokes anymore about like I make nervous jokes and stuff about like periods and I don't I want to not do that and I want her to like go to like it just reminds me of I saw this sex positive like um childhood sex educator someone online posted about like the scenario where a, a girl was at school got her period and there was like a male classmate who was like oh here you go and gave her his um sweatshirt to tie around her waist and um she said she was embarrassed and he was like oh I have plenty of sisters like and people were commenting like how wonderful like all these moments that would have happened to like make this boy so like feel so comfortable with menstruation and I was thinking like it would be so cool if we were like the generation of parents who helped kids um not feel like they even like need to like put a sweatshirt on if there's like blood from a period instead like destigmatize it as much as we can to be like this is not something like super dirty or shameful this is something that happens to bodies and women's bodies have historically like they're like this we don't have to treat it this way anymore but then I was like I think we're a little bit of ways off with that but (laughs) I would like to like take steps in that direction and be a parent that models that to both my son and my daughter like not shameful not dirty nobody has to make jokes about your body parts and like it's all um allowed here you know yeah, I mean, I think that that's such a, I think you're right. I think we still have so much work to do just to make body diversity okay with mm-hmm. with our generation too, you know? Yeah. And I, I was thinking about that, as you said, like, um, there's nothing shameful about your body and you're, and that nothing's wrong with it. And I feel like that is something that I've noticed that you post on Instagram too, about ways that you talk about your child's um, body or when people comment on them. And I feel like that happens. I had actually had this conversation with my mother the other day where, um, my youngest daughter is, you know, um, was having some growth issues. Like we were having, like she was dropping in percentages and stuff and everyone's been calling her like this peanut and I'll catch myself calling her that too. Like, Oh, she's just a peanut. And I'm like, Oh, like Christina no like what are you doing and it starts off like kind of innocent Mm -hmm. and and not really realizing it and then when you sit down and kind of unpack it you're like oh wow I'm setting the stage unknowingly for having my daughter's bodies compared against each other Mm. and I think that's like something that I had a conversation with my mom like I really don't want anyone calling my daughter's body peanut because what that inevitably does to like society I might not feel any way about it and it might feel like a description you know or mm-hmm. someone might just mean it like a description or like oh the cute little peanut like a baby is a you know but then um I feel like it could set the stage in some ways for like society says something else, you know, Mm -hmm. and like peanut being smaller is considered to be better. And then if Elodie, the older is like, well, how comes no one's ever called me peanut? 
Mm-hmm. you know and then it like sets the stage for all this these kind of comparisons and I'm I've noticed on your Instagram that you've talked about how you interject with um, other people when they make comments and things like that I'd love for you to share a little bit about what you've been experiencing with that yeah that's I found that it's pretty relentless like the comments that people make about babies and children's bodies and appearance um Mm -hmm. and like the comments people make about food food that they're eating food that they're eating like around kids um it just seems like so I do want to acknowledge I know it's a really it's kind of like a long trek uphill that never seems to stop in our society um and I have tried to like kind of get comfortable um knowing that I'm just going to maybe make people uncomfortable with this particular thing, because I am going to try to jump in when they make comments, like not just, I don't, I, people make comments like, you know, about, like I noticed with babies and toddlers, like, oh, look at that belly or like, look at those thighs. They're so chunky and stuff. And, um, like, and I know it's in a lot of people are doing that in such good spirit, (laughs) like trying to Mm -hmm. just be like, so kind and um I know it's jarring to be like oh like you know I I I try not to talk about my kids bodies or um when people comment about weight or like how big someone is or how small someone is like them or somebody else or my kids bodies I try to say like oh we don't talk about bodies that way in this household or um people will I notice with my daughter a lot like say she's like oh she's so beautiful like she's you know people make appearance-based comments in that direction which Mm -hmm. I do have like that um when it's not specifically weight related or shape related and people are making appearance comments I find myself like I'm not as strict with it like I'm not always jumping in because um I have like people that I've talked to in my life that have had parents who like never mentioned their appearance once and talked about like as they grew up it became like um like they wondered about that like I guess do you Mm -hmm. not think I'm beautiful like do you so I'm trying to keep that in my mind and when people say that like I'll often be like and you know she's so beautiful and you wouldn't believe like how clever she is like try to always Mm -hmm. you know have that like that's the important part um but it's like, that's the appearance thing versus weight thing. I have some different feelings about it almost. Like I don't always want to deflect those. I do like about 50, 50, I would say with the appearance. Yeah. And yeah, then weight. Yeah, but and even, shape. even about weight and shape too, it's like almost like there's a part of me as well that feels like there's nothing. I also want to accept the, the idea that there's nothing wrong with being in a bigger body either and be like, Mm -hmm. oh, all bodies are good bodies. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, my legs are bigger. Like, so Mm -hmm. Elodie will kind of point that out. She'll say like, mommy, your legs are bigger than my legs and daddy's legs are bigger than your legs. And like, she'll, or she even said the other day about our tummies. And I said, yeah, mommy's tummy is round. Yeah. You know, or and she'll talk about it. And I'll, and I've even said to you, I go, but all bodies are, are different and all bodies are good bodies. And we have that book. I don't know if you have that book, um, all mm-hmm. bodies are good bodies book. 
And she loves that. And when I think about like appearance-based things, I know exactly what you're talking about, about do they not think I'm beautiful? And I have that same thought about my girls too, about um, wanting them to know that I think that they are beautiful exactly as they are. And that beauty is more than just that, you know, like more than just like what people think is beautiful, you know? And so a lot of times I'll, I'll sandwich it with, yes, you are so beautiful and you are so much more than just than beautiful, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of these different parts of you make you beautiful. Your laugh makes, makes you beautiful. Your cleverness makes you beautiful. You know, your silly little jokes makes you all of those things. So I, I like, I feel like I'm trying to incept that it's not just your physical appearance that makes you beautiful, but all of the parts of you kind of make you beautiful. And that's kind of what I've tried to focus on. And it's, gosh, but it's hard though. I feel like if parenthood wasn't hard enough, now we're trying to think about it. I know it's so, it's so hard. And the, the, like the idea of wanting to shield them from body comments. Cause I do feel like in my house, I'm like, I really want it to be like a safe zone. Like, I think you're in my house. We don't comment on, like, I don't want them to have to deal with that at this age. Like I want to protect them and also not like stigmatize anybody's and be like, well, just because you said like her belly was big or, you know, that that's not like a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like hard because I kind of like am approaching it at this point and I don't, I truly don't know if this is right or not, but um, I don't think they should really have to deal with just at least like continuous comments about their appearance or body, like weight or shape. And if they comment on their own bodies or like they comment on mine or like want to talk about bodies, then I'm like, okay, well, let's welcome this conversation and like- Mm -hmm. We have, yeah, Bodies Are Cool, which is like a great book. And there's the word um, fat is used, like fat bodies, skinny bodies. And it's all like all, all of them are cool. So I'm trying to like protect them from unnecessary body scrutiny while also saying like, which is kind of a fine line to walk because it's like, but I really don't want people, honestly, in my home, at least coming in and saying like, you are, you're thighs are so little like I don't want I would like to protect them right now from body comments in most directions because if not all because it's like oh no I just want them to have like a freedom from that a little bit longer like that's gonna happen so soon in the world like I just yeah like oh I want this house to be a safe space so badly yeah I know it's so true though I feel like it is a, a fine line to kind of walk to because it feels like in a lot of ways, it's interesting too, because when you first have, when your baby is first born, it feels like there's so much focus on weight, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are they on their growth curve? Are they growing? And it's like the bigger the baby, the more excited that the doctor is. Right. And then if your baby is on the smaller end, it's like, oh, we need to like work on this and do all these things and, and figure all that out. And it's something that needs to be fixed in a lot of ways. And it feels Mm -hmm. like, at what point does that then shift? And then how do we then shield that? And also at the same time, like 
monitor what needs to be monitored when they're an infant, like when it actually like, you know, if you're not growing, it's like, okay, well, what's happening? Is there something going on internally that might be impacting that? Do we need to focus on something? But Mm -hmm. that feels like there's so much, like, I remember telling, um, the, our pediatrician and, um, I had, I have, yeah, it's not over yet. I have postpartum depression with Noah and that every single time that they would tell me that she wasn't gaining, I would say, I told them, I said, every time you say that, all I hear is I'm not good enough. Mm. Like that's all I hear every single time that I'm doing something wrong, that there's something wrong with my, like with me and being able to provide for my child. And I was like, and I don't know what else to, you know, like what else to do. Like it feels so overwhelming. And I feel like there is this like, shift at some point where I think, I don't know if you've read, um, Virginia soul Smith's new book fat talk yet. No, not um, yet. But I really want you to. should. Yeah. You should definitely check it out. It's amazing. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about, about the book and about the way that she talks about children's bodies in there is that there comes this point where it's like, forgot where I'm going with this, but I feel like I forgot. Hold on. Let me think about it. So the, um, oh man, I did. I totally lost my train of thought. This is parenthood at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. This is so relatable. <laughs> me like, what am I saying? Yeah. But I, okay. So I feel like, I think what, what ends up kind of happening at least I don't know. Her her book really describes the 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 worry a lot that happens. Oh, about how at some point when you're this is where I was going with it. When you're when your child is then on the higher end of the curve or if they start to kind of gain, the same type of thing ends up coming up internally around okay, I'm not good enough. I'm doing something bad to my child. I'm harming them. And it still comes back to this weight of parenthood on us and feeling like we're not doing good enough. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that is a really difficult, like you said, line to kind of thread for yourself because there is this part that's like, yes, I want my home to be a safe space for as long as possible. And at the same time, I also want to do whatever I can to protect them outside of the home mm-hmm. too. And it's like, how do you how do you manage those two things where yes, it you can say when they're like three, four, five, six years old, in our home, all bodies are good bodies. And then when they go outside and they're in school and they're learning all these different things and hearing these comments around body sizes, and then they're coming home and saying, well, some people are saying that it's not good. Mm -hmm. Like what's true, you know, like how do I, I think that's the stuff that I get scared about. Yes. (laughs) You know, like, oh no. And it's like, you can't really do anything about it except for try to do the best you can. And I think that that's really hard in, in parent, especially when you care so much about this mm-hmm. of being able to say like, at some point, all I can control is what I'm doing. And it, that is really difficult to let go of. Yeah. I think that's where it almost comes to like, that's why a lot of it does come back to like your relationship with your kids and your like 
the attachment and how you're um, able to like say like I don't know say sorry and like just feel this like really strong relationship with them that with me at least it involves a lot of like messing up and falling down and saying sorry and then like (laughs) modeling things differently but so by the time they're that age they can be like I really like trust this like parent I, I trust my care like the people in the world might say a lot of different things about bodies but in this like home base I have like my parent who I really deeply trust saying like this these are those messages I want you to know like this is like what we believe here about bodies mm-hmm. um and so I try to like lean into that like I just can really I hold hope that that will be helpful down the line yeah, 100%. I, I actually think that was something that I was thinking about, about how I feel like being able to have those moments of saying, sorry, I almost kind of think about it kind of like um, approaching this the same way that I would with like responsive parenting, like going back mm-hmm. and saying like, hey, you know, like I raised my voice, mommy gets frustrated sometimes, you know, and I mm-hmm. think for the individuals out there who are struggling with their body image and maybe they say something like you can go back and say, Hey, I'm working on this because I grew up where people told me that they weren't all the same and that it wasn't okay, but I've learned more now. And I want you to know that all bodies are good bodies and there's nothing wrong with any bodies. And I'm still working on that for myself. And I'm sorry that I said that out loud. Yeah. Like that's so important. And I feel like that could be really beautiful. And it's so like, I do, I'm starting to feel frustrated with like the online messaging around like parents and cycle breaking. This is probably not a popular opinion, what I'm going to say, but I feel like it's very, it sets us up to feel like a ton of pressure that like you have got to be perfect and break these cycles or you will traumatize your kids. And it's just another form of like black and white thinking and perfectionism. I I really do. Like, I believe cycle breaking, like the main thing for a lot of us is a parent who like repairs and repairs and repairs, like is always willing to repair after they fall down because like, we're just going to mess up so often. And we have so much to like undo ourselves while we're on this journey with them that like, if you demand perfection of yourself, it's going to be like a letdown for everyone. So it's like, can you get really good at repairing and naming, like, I'm working on this myself. And like, I, this is where I'm struggling. Like I want you, and I want different for you. And just like being maybe more transparent with your kids than feels like comfortable at times. And I don't know. I just, I want like gentler conversations around cycle breaking. Like I really, especially when it comes to people who still have active eating disorders and our parents. I think that there's a lot of shame and like, I cannot be, I guess I can't be a good parent. And that's like, uh, that is not true. I like want to say that loud and clear. You can have an active eating disorder, be really struggling and be like a great parent as long as you are like trying and you're really aware of like your own shit and you're trying to make things different for your kids and you're not you know, you're working on like not projecting your stuff onto them and you can be a great parent and still be like in the depths of struggle. I think that that is such an important thing to say. And I'm really glad you brought it up. And because I feel like 
to demand to, for someone to think that they have to work on and be quote unquote healed from all of their, (laughs) their traumas and struggles and difficulties in order to be a positive parent and a positive role model is so harmful because then that would like, I, I can't imagine any other way because then I think one of the most beautiful things about being able, and I love that you're talking about this because I think the most beautiful thing to me is being able to tell your child, I I am there too. Mm-hmm. I've gotten scared before also. I've struggled with this too, and I'm working on it now as well. Yeah. Here's what's helped me before with this. Like my daughter gets, this is like kind of on topic, but I think you'll get the idea and I think you can use it in other ways, but um, she gets scared of like going upstairs by herself, to, you know, sometimes. And I used her and she would be bawling, like really scared. And I told her, I said, I remember when I was younger being really scared like that too. And I said, and sometimes even now I get scared when I'm by myself too. And mm-hmm. I, and I'll say, and it's okay to be scared but I want you to know that we're here. You're not alone. Everybody's home. There's nothing that's going to happen to you. Here's what's helped me feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, here's what I'll do. Like, do you want to do this with me? And I feel like those types of things, I think normalizes feelings for mm-hmm. our kids. And I think it makes it, like you said, your attachment to them makes them being able to come home from school someday and be able to say, this was said to me and I'm really struggling with it. And you can say, I've been there. Yeah. yeah. I've had, I've had people comment about my body. Here's why it hurts because of our society and what people believe about it. But here's what I've grown to learn as a, as an adult, that all of that means nothing, <laughs> you know, and here's the yeah. education. And then you can provide them with the education around it too, like as they get older. And I think to expect us to be able to be perfect. And I think especially with body image or having an active eating disorder and struggling with it, you can still struggle with it, like you said, and at the same time, not want that for your children and be able to do whatever you can to protect them from it. And I think a really powerful way of protecting them from it is talking about it. Yeah. And I don't know like if you would with, agree with that, but I, yeah, <laughs> but I think what- it could be. With what you said, also, like, it makes me think of, uh, like, a really, some of the greatest things you can do to, like, kind of buffer your kids against, like, body image struggles and eating disorders don't even have to do directly with, like, weight or food. Like, um, like saying the word, like, learning to say the word vagina, like, comfortably without laughing, like, 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 um labeling emotions like helping them continuously learn like oh this is the emotion this is where I'm feeling like it doesn't seem as straightforward as like not using um the word fat in a derogatory way but it's all it's all kind of just as important like it's and it's I think it's nice for people to know because when you are in the depths of struggle like maybe you can't getting like the swimsuit and be super comfortable, like at the beach with them right now and be in the pictures or eat the same thing they're eating. Like maybe that is out of reach right now, but if so, like there are other, there are so many ways to help them build this like confidence in themselves and just a different relationship with food and their bodies. And 
things that seem like less obvious are incredibly impactful. Like, I can't tell you the amount of people that I work with and myself included that like, like emotions and understanding them and being able to like label them and kind of move through them. That looks like that's a huge factor in the development of an eating disorder, like that disconnection from that realm of life. And um, it's like, not as obvious, but just as important, in my opinion, all of this other stuff. Yeah, to be honest, I feel like um, that's not not talked about as much, right? And I think most of the time, and I'm a nutritionist, most of the time it is talked about like, oh, the way you're presenting food, and it's very like um, tactful and action oriented. Mm -hmm. And I think I, when I talk to clients of mine who have active eating disorders, what I'll tell them, it's like, oh no, 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 that's the outside of the tree. And then inside are all the roots (laughs) and the roots of the tree is what builds it. And what made this kind of like this type of tree kind of grow are these different types of parts grow. And if we can get down into the roots of it and the roots are, I have, you know, you know, like different types of things, like naming your emotions and things like that. I think that's such a great, a great thing for people to hear. I would love for you to share some, some tools around how do you work on that when you're struggling with that on your own? If you're having a hard time naming emotions, what do you do with your own kids to kind of make naming emotions more accessible or supportive for them? Yeah. I mean, I I think if you're having a hard time naming emotions, like one of the number one things to do is on in your own time, work on it yourself. Like, or if you have access to a therapist, like make that a really, you know, a hinge point of therapy. Um, And like starting with like things as small as like the emotions wheel. And like when I was first like very unwell and looked at that emotions wheel, there was like, I couldn't pick out what I remember being like genuinely confused and like I don't know so like starting that with yourself but also keeping in mind like fortunately with kids especially like toddlers like things are a little bit less murky I think like they're more I feel like they're developing like um emotions like you can start out with kind of the basics with them um like my son is pretty um he's very sensitive and very anxious and has some like, you know, he just um, needs help with a lot of things. Um, So we have like a basket of tools and a lot of them do have to do with emotions, like a, like a big feelings basket, we call it. And there's little dolls that I got from Amazon that have like the different, I think it's just happy, sad, mad, um, disgusted, like these really basic emotions. Um, and then we, I encourage him like when he's really struggling or when he's happy, like, Oh, can you get a feelings doll and show me which one you're experiencing? Um, and I also have like charts around the house, like emotions, but with like faces for little kids, like Mm -hmm. kind of like my emotions wheel, but more basic charts. And I try to encourage them, not just when they're in like discord, but also when they're feeling good, like what's the emotion? Um, so I think things as basic as that, and I've been told by like occupational therapists that it's too early and, and things like that. Like, I, I, I don't know if like other people recommend this, but I've just personally have seen that helpful at a very early age to just like start working 
gently with him on that. Um, it's actually like his, I would say it's his number one most asked question at this point. I'll be like, what are you feeling? <laughs> Cause I just like, <laughs> we've like hit that so hard around here. Um, and I think, I mean, there's all sorts of like books nowadays, which is great to read to them where you mm-hmm. like, even for like infants, like with just the faces. So I think starting out in the most basic of ways at trying to like gently teach them, especially when they're not in moments of like, you know, real distress, because there's not much teaching that happening that like in those moments, there's not many teachable things that can occur. But when they're feeling like, okay, like, and then modeling, I think it's like a, another kind of easy tool is being like, oh, I'm feeling happy right now. Like, do you see, I'm feeling happy because of this or like, I feel that in my chest or just like little one-liners here and there to try to, which sounds small, but that is not like, I don't think our parents growing up like knew to do that. So that is like no type of anything that I ever heard growing up. So when I start to think it's small, I'm like, yeah, can you imagine what your childhood or sometimes I'm reading bodies are cool to them or I'm watching like my husband read it and I'm like, can you imagine like what your childhood, if like, if my dad, like at night after work was like sitting down reading bodies are cool, like big bodies, little bodies. I I was just like, this is like so beautiful to see. Yeah. Right. And uh, um, 100%, like, I feel like it'd be so different and I don't feel like I, I mean, there's varying degrees of households and how they approach bodies and stuff. And I don't feel like I was in an overt kind of anti in my house. But as I've grown up, I've been like, oh, wow, there was like subtle things, but like, how cool would it have been? Or even like, to me, like the emotions thing or being able to, to show your emotions, you know, like I, I feel like being able to say like, it's okay to be upset. You can be angry. Like you can be angry right now. You can yell. You can like, that's okay. Like, I'm not gonna let you talk to me like that if it's being disrespectful, but being able to say, yeah, I'm like really big with my son with, I'm, and I've noticed this. It's really interesting with when he gets really like when he gets physically hurt, I notice, and he cries. Um, I'm, I don't do what I've seen a lot of people do, which is like, I don't say like, you're okay. Like Mm -hmm. I try really, really hard with him specifically to be like, oh, that really hurt. Like I get so upset when I really hate, like when I fall down too, like I get really, I get really sad. It's okay. I try so hard and have from like day zero with him to, cause I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's a pretty easy way to be like, kind of counter this narrative that like boys don't cry and like all the stuff that like builds the foundation for like male toxicity I would like to early on kind of like get around that if we can can. yeah you have to you're doing the hard work I mean I feel like I feel like that's another thing too I feel like it is hard work and I feel like in parenthood it, it feels like there's so many things that are hard and I feel I would love for you to share a little bit about how maybe you give yourself some grace and maybe in those moments when maybe you're struggling or you're having a hard time. Um, yeah. How do you handle those things and how do you not 
put so much on yourself or maybe you do and we can just name that and say like yeah I'm in it you know <laughs> yeah I, know. <laughs> I feel like I'm in it I like really <laughs> just I find it to be like it's it just feel there's like a lot of struggle involved and there's a lot of just like there's a lot of pressure and a lot of like cooks in the kitchen with the parenting advice. And Mm -hmm. if you're not careful, or if I'm not careful, I'll speak for myself. I start to feel like I'm doing like literally, I'm doing it all wrong. And these people online are like doing it all right. Like nothing that they say works, nothing. Um, And this has specifically been like, as my son has grown, I just, I can't tell you like maybe one P I I just like all parenting advice has, I felt like I failed at it or like it has failed us. Um, So I think what helps me be, what helps me is always going back in my mind to be like, okay, I don't know if it's like, I don't want to call it gentle parenting or like response or any of these like different labels where people are telling me what to do. I want to like try really hard to listen to my own intuition and be a parent that's constantly like gets really good at repairing and repairing um because I just think I'm gonna mess up and like have been <laughs> for the whole time um yeah. and it's just and you know what something else that helps too is sometimes on my personal Instagram account like just with my friends I will post a picture like randomly all of a sudden with like a deeply vulnerable caption of like <laughs> I did this um we like my husband and I met new friends like over the summer and then they friended me on Instagram that personal account and I posted that night um oh I should like read you the caption it was like do you ever find yourself in the bathroom with your knees pulled up to your chest, sobbing those deep gulping sobs because you just yelled at your two-year-old and nobody could be a worse part? Like it was like the most vulnerable thing. And he was like, hopefully she's okay with like ultra vulnerable confession captions. Like, what are you doing? But I feel like I, it's like helped me so much because whenever I do that, people, these like friends or even just acquaintances will message me and be like, I can't tell you how much it helps to see like amongst like the really beautiful family pictures that everyone posts, which I do love too, but to see someone being like, I'm like, I suck right now and I'm like in it and this is so hard. And I yelled at my two-year-old and like, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't think that's for everyone, but I found it weirdly helpful. (laughs) No, it is. It is really helpful. I think like, I think like, um, what I'm like, what I'm seeing is that you're being honest. And I think honesty is always the way to go. And I think that being able to name the, like, this is hard and that there is so much, I don't know, I, it's hard to say because I feel like there's things that we care about, right? Like we care really deeply about, you know, wanting to do these like parenting a certain way and wanting mm-hmm. to like, you know, cycle break and everything like that. And so it can be really easy to get sucked into all the different approaches. And like you said, gentle parenting, responsive parenting, attachment, attachment parenting styles. Like, how do you like manage all of these different things? I'm like, oh, let's not forget the patriarchy. Let's not, yeah, let's not forget, you know, like, like, you know, being, being supportive of. I don't know, like every, everything we could possibly want being allies and being all of these different things for everything. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like it's really hard to just be with your kids when you feel like yeah. you're constantly trying to do all these 
different types of things. And I think sometimes it's great to share how hard it is in that moment and being able to say like, yeah, I'm in it and here's where I'm at. And I could see how that would be really helpful in those moments and being able to share that and kind of put it out there because you know what? I, my love language is sharing like difficult parenting memes (laughs) (laughs) that I find with my friends. And like some of my friends, like that's the only way I communicate with them. It's like just constant Instagram, like memes and things like that and reels that I find. And one time I was sharing, I must've like shared like a bunch in my stories, like over time or something. And this, this friend that I haven't seen in like probably 20 years or something reached out and was like, are you okay? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I'm all right. (laughs) I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in there, you know? And I was like, you know, and it's, it's like, it's kind of funny, but I like your, your approach is probably a little bit more honest. Like, yeah, (laughs) I'm just going to say what it is. And mine's more of like, this is how I'm feeling. And I'm going to be a little self-deprecating about it, you know? Which is also good. Anything that's like <laughs> any port in the storm. I'm like, sometimes I just have to fire off two paragraphs on a, about like, <laughs> and hope that people like hits and then, and it does help. So a little tried technique, but I highly recommend if you're like wanting to just like be a little more vulnerable and vent, I, I should, I'll that. have to send you some of the, my like these ridiculous random, it'll be like three o'clock on a Tuesday and I'll be like, <laughs> Do you ever wonder if it's so random? So I'll send you some. <laughs> I I would love to see them. I feel like you're inspiring me to be a little bit more vulnerable, which is difficult for me to do on, on any kind of social media platform. It's like, really, I, I hate social media. Um, <laughs> I have like, I like to be like a lurker and yet here I am with the podcast and all the different things, but you know. Yeah. Isn't this like kind of, I guess this is different than social media, but definitely vulnerable I think to have a podcast or I would think it is it is and I definitely try to try to be honest I mean I'm always honest on it like I always share how I'm actually feel it's not scripted in any way and so sometimes I'll say things like what was that or (laughs) like I'll listen to it later like oh good um (laughs) or I don't typically listen I for like two years of the podcast I never listened to an episode never like I recorded it and then that was the end I was like, mm-hmm. I don't do anything with it. So, um, yeah. And I, it's hard to do that with like a reel or cause you have to go back, you have to edit it. You have to look at it like all the different know. things that's and then writing the caption. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, just feel I, know, like I don't just, even know where to begin. They are but, vulnerable or like even joking. You're like, I think it's funny, but will other people maybe not <laughs> like, yeah. Even the joke ones can be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like the things that we're kind of evolving to share in the things that you're evolving and sharing more about and the things that I'm feeling that I'm trying to bring more to the podcast are incredibly vulnerable things. And it is like a new layer of working on our own internal perfectionism and the way that we look at things. And we'll have to talk about that another time. Well, thank you so much, um, Colleen. This was such a wonderful conversation. And do you want to share with everybody where they can find you and see more vulnerable posts? Sure. Um, 
Yeah, thank you for having me. This was great. It was cathartic. It was just the best conversation. Um, so people can find me on Instagram at Dr. Colleen Reichman, Um, or I'm not really posting on Facebook anymore. I can't keep up with it, but I have been trying to do a little bit more TikTok, which is also Dr. Colleen Reichman. Um, some of those are just like silly. So if you want like a sprinkle of silliness in your life, although some of them are serious. Um, and then my website is um, ColleenReichman.com. My email is ColleenReichman at gmail.com. And then I do have, which I, I wish that I could post on this more. Um, but when I do post, it's very like from the heart. I have a sub stack um, called Musings from a Mama and it's just motherhood based. And um, yeah, it's like such a fun hobby. I love writing them. I've written essays on like um, the last one was like the experience of being past like the pregnancy and like infant years and like mourning that, like grieving that deeply, um, even though you didn't think you would. And then, or like I wrote one on having a spirited, <laughs> spirited child um, <laughs> and they're very vulnerable and it, they're, it's certainly not for everyone. Cause it's like just motherhood stuff. But if you have interest in that, feel free to find me on Substack. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm about to go sign up and, and follow you on Substack and everything because oh, those sound amazing. And um, <laughs> we'll maybe have to talk when we get coffee, we'll have to talk about it because the morning of an infant is something that I'm feeling right now um, with our nine month old. I can like, she's starting to get her top teeth in and she has her oh body and I'm like the baby face is going away and giving away a lot of the baby stuff. And because we've decided that this is it, like we're having mm -hmm. two and that's the end of that story. Yep. Um, and it feels like the end of an era and it's hard. Like I've gathered all of like the baby stuff and I'm like, we can get rid of these things, but they're just sitting there. And the other day, uh, Casey turned to me and he goes, so what are we doing with all of this? And I'm like, we're going to give it away. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. So like, but I also I like, it's sitting there and I could have given it away like 30 times already, but I have not. <laughs> yeah. I have to send you that latest Substack because it was literally starts with me sitting with a pile of their newborn clothes. And my husband came and was like, I was like, I'm not giving these away. And he was like, what do you want to do? Be buried with them? Like made a joke. <laughs> and I was like, no, like you don't understand. <laughs> this is what they mean to me. And then I go through like, this one is like the first time I took him on a walk. Like it was just yeah. I, that exact scenario is what sparked that essay. And oh it was so gosh. cathartic to write. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. I'm definitely going to read it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Cause I feel like, Oh God, it's so, it's so challenging. We need to do a whole nother podcast just on that. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> just you know, talk, I'm down. Just talk. I'll just, yeah. Come and just talk and about yeah, exactly. Come on and talk and just like, let it all out. And just, I feel like there needs to be like a, maybe you need to start a, a mother's musings um, podcast where you just talk about it. Oh my God. That's the dream. Uh, I've heard it's a lot of work. These podcasts though. <laughs> they are a lot of work. Hey friends, it's Dana. And thanks so much for listening to the wholehearted eating podcast today. Find us on social media at Wholehearted Eating Pod on Instagram and at wholeheartedeating.com for more information about working with Dana and Christina for one-on-one -on -one nutrition counseling. 
If you love the show, we would love you forever if you'd share an episode with your family and friends or tag us on social media or leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people find the show. Check out patreon.com slash wholehearted eating to help support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, bonus episodes with us and our guests, episode discussions, new resources we're creating for Patreon, and so much more. If you have questions for us, feedback on the show, potential topics or guests you'd love to have on, shoot us an email at hello at wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you next week.